When I tell people what this podcast is about, one of the first questions that I usually get asked is if I'm worried about running out of things to talk about. And I suppose that is not an unreasonable concern. If you are only aware of the work of Agatha Christie and perhaps a few of the other more popular crime writers from the 1920s and 30s. If that was all I had to work with, then it might have been a bit harder to get almost five years worth of podcast topics out of this literary genre. But of course, you and I both know that the reason the golden age of detective fiction was so called is because of the incredible depth and breadth of the work that it produced. I've been researching a fortnightly episode for the last half a decade or so, and I still feel like I've barely scratched the surface of what there is to discover. That said, I have accumulated a fairly long list of intriguing titles and authors already, and I'd like to put that information at your disposal. Which is why, today, you get to eavesdrop on my new murder mystery hotline. Welcome to She Done It. I'm Caroline Crampton. Here's how this is going to work. I opened up the hotline to members of the She Done It book club a couple of weeks ago, asking for their very specific book recommendation requests. Say you want to read a golden age mystery with a parrot in it, or one where there's a car chase, or you've already enjoyed all the books by one famous author and want something similar from someone less well-known. These books have not yet magically fallen into your lap, but perhaps I can help. I got an amazing wealth of responses from the club, and now, after some furious research by me and my production assistant Leandra, the hotline is now well and truly up and running. And this doesn't have to be a one-time thing. If you enjoy it, we can definitely open it again in the future. If you'd like to be involved in the making of future episodes like this, become a member of the She Done It Book Club today at shedoneitbookclub.com slash join, as well as the chance to take part in interactive episodes like the Murder Mystery Hotline. Members also get every episode of the podcast early and without advertising, two extra bonus episodes a month, and access to the secret club forum. Basically, if you like She Done It, and you want there to be more of it beyond what is available for free, this is how you get it. Contributions from members are the main way that I'm able to keep the main podcast free and accessible to all, so if you'd like to help with that too, shedoneitbookclub.com slash join is the place to go. Before I take the first call though, a quick note about book availability. While some of the titles I'm going to recommend today will be readily available in your local bookshop or library, some of them won't be. I'm also going to touch on rarer and even out-of-print options for the requests I'm answering. So if you want to read them, you might need to start haunting your preferred second-hand book retailers. I'm doing this not because I want to frustrate anyone, but rather because I want to demonstrate the wide variety of Golden Age detective fiction available beyond what is still popular and in print now. Plus, we are very fortunate today to have a thriving reprint culture with these books. So I'm hoping that if I can give some attention to some overlooked titles, we might get to see them become more widely available in the future. And I'm hoping too that this might start a conversation with and among listeners. After hearing this episode, if you have a book suggestion for any of the callers, please do let us know via email or on social media. The details are in the description of this episode, 
and at shedoneitshow.com. Oh, sorry. I think someone is already calling the hotline. Hello? Hi, Caroline. I'd like to read more books that have gardening, gardeners or plants as important parts of the plot. I enjoyed A Grave Mistake by Nyeo Marsh and there's quite a few plant uh, elements in Ellis Peters' books, but I'd like to read more. Thank you. Well, this is an interesting one. Of course, there are plenty of famous detective novels in which plants feature in their distilled form as poisons or gardeners providing important witness testimony. But I think we can do better than that for this caller. My first suggestion is the work of the author Sheila Pym, an Irish novelist who published the first of her seven crime novels, Common or Garden Crime, in 1945. This story is set in a village outside Dublin during the Second World War and focuses on a group of gardeners with very different horticultural styles who are preparing for a flower show when a key judge is poisoned. Pym's mysteries are gentle and light in tone, so perhaps not for the die-hard puzzle mystery fan, but as she was a horticulturalist herself who also wrote for gardening magazines, I think her gardening credentials are unimpeachable. Beyond that, I would suggest looking into the work of R.T. Campbell, a pseudonym of the Scottish poet Ruthven Todd, who in the 1940s published eight mysteries starring the botanist and amateur detective Professor John Stubbs. The first one, Unholy Dying, sees a murder take place at an international gathering of geneticists, and several others have botanical features, such as 1946's The Death Cap, which sees a victim poisoned with a mushroom. I'd also like to propose checking out Black Orchids by Nero Wolfe from 1941, which features a millionaire orchid fancier and another death at a flower show. And you might also like to try John Rhodes' Up the Garden Path from 1949, in which two bodies are found at different times in the same spot, on the garden path of a country house owned by an eccentric inventor. Or an alternative from a bit later. The caller did say they had already enjoyed Noah Marsh's Grave Mistake, which stars a gardener, but I wonder if they might also like to try her novel A False Scent from 1959, in which someone is killed with an insecticide intended for potted plants. Finally, a non-fiction option. Carl Saber's A Rum Affair, The True Story of Botanical Fraud, published in 2001, which tells the true crime story of a 1940s plant-based crime involving rival botanists and scientific skullduggery. I hope at least one of those does the trick. Let's see who else is on the line. Hi, Caroline. My name's Phil, and I would love a classic detective fiction recommendation with a Welsh connection. So Welsh authors or books set in Wales with a strong sense of place. I think the 1920s and 30s, so the golden age, were pretty interesting from a labour history and social history point of view for the mining industry. And so anything set in or touching on a mining community in Wales would be particularly interesting. And for absolute maximum interest from a personal sort of family history point of view for me, anything that features a village shop in a mining community in Wales would absolutely hit the jackpot. But any combination of whatever of those elements you can find would be terrific. Thank you. I did ask the book club members to send me their very specific book recommendations and they took me at their word. 
I sadly haven't managed to hit the jackpot with this one and find a shop-based mystery set in a Welsh mining community, but I do have a few Wales-based options for you at least. How about Yanthi Gerald's Dead Man's Quarry from 1940, which is set during a cycling holiday on the Wales-Herefordshire border? Another choice might be The Murder of My Aunt by Richard Hull from 1934, a famous inverted mystery narrated by one Edward Powell, who lives on the outskirts of a tiny Welsh town with his aunt Mildred. I'm also intrigued by Death on Tiptoe by R.C. Ashby from 1931, which is a country house style mystery but set in a fictional Welsh castle. And then for a later book by an author who started out during the Golden Age, I would suggest Noonday and Night by Gladys Mitchell from 1977. This one focuses on the drivers at a coach tour company. Two of the buses have gone missing, one in Derbyshire and one in Wales. And although the vehicles themselves reappear eventually, the drivers are nowhere to be found. Mrs Bradley follows the tour route through Wales to unravel the mystery. I hope that all gives you something to be going on with, Phil. This next request was submitted via text, and it comes from Janet, who says, I really enjoy books where books or libraries are the centre of the story. I know there are a few out there, Umberto echoes the name of the rose being a great example, but I'm not sure which Golden Age authors centred their plots around libraries, so would love some recommendations. Biblio mysteries, that is, mysteries relating to books and the people who write them, have been having a bit of a resurgence lately. In the last year, the British Library has republished three interesting titles in this niche. Death of Mr Dodsley by John Ferguson from 1937, Death of an Author by E.C.R. Lorak from 1935, and The Mysterious Mr Badman by W.F. Harvey from 1934. Murder in the Bookshop by Carolyn Wells from 1936 is very much in this same vein, as the title would suggest, as is R.T. Campbell's Bodies in a Bookshop from 1946. There is also a British Library short story collection called Murder by the Book, and a not dissimilar collection from Across the Pond edited by Otto Penzler titled Biblio Mysteries, Stories of Crime in the World of Books and Bookstores. Obviously, Agatha Christie has a well-known novel that fits Janet's request for a library-based story, The Body in the Library, but we can definitely go deeper than that. A Case of Books by Bruce Graham from 1946 also features a corpse found in a domestic library, that of a wealthy book collector who focused on extremely rare incunabula, or early printed books, shades of Peter Whimsey, of course. Graham's regular series character Theodore Tahune, a bookseller in rural Kent, then investigates. A lovely option, that one. For a public library example, we can go across the Atlantic and try The Widening Stain by W. Bolingbroke Johnson, which was first published in 1942. This light-hearted book from the American Golden Age tradition is set in a university library, that is supposedly based on one at Cornell University, and features not only the theft of a rare manuscript, but also a locked room strangling. I hope one or more of those will satisfy the library mystery cravings, Janet. Next, we have another text submission from Christian, who would like a Golden Age mystery whose plot involves the League of Nations or the UN. At first glance, I was sure that we wouldn't be able to find anything for this. It's too specific, for sure but I had underestimated both the diversity of the Golden Age genre and the persistence of my production assistant, Leandra. Thus, we have two very plausible options for Christian. First, Mystery at Geneva by Rose McCauley from 1922. 
which is, as the title would suggest, set in Geneva during a League of Nations conference, and stars a journalist who starts investigating when the delegates begin to go missing in suspicious circumstances. And then our second choice is The Death of a Diplomat from 1928 by Peter Oldfield. This is actually the pseudonym of two writers, Vernon Bartlett and Per Jacobsen, who both worked for the League of Nations before moving on to different professions. Bartlett became a journalist at the BBC, and Jacobsen ended up as the managing director of the International Monetary Fund. Their mystery is set in the diplomatic circles surrounding the League of Nations, and it features a vanishing diamond, a stolen treaty and a murdered ambassador, all of which must be solved before an international crisis ensues. Enjoy, Christian. One of the books in the Bookshark Challenge, chosen by Meg, was by Edgar Box, the pseudonym of the writer Gore Vidal. This reminded me of the poet laureate Cecil Day Lewis's alter ego, Nicholas Blake, the name under which he wrote an acclaimed series of crime novels. John Banville, the Booker Prize winner, has written detective novels as Benjamin Black, and more recently under his own name. What other examples are there of well known writers with established literary reputations? writing detective fiction under another name. Arguably, Josephine Tay comes into this category, but as she became better known as Tay, the mystery writer, than as Gordon Daviat, the playwright, and neither was her real name. She's not, I think, the best example. Thank you. This is an intriguing question, and to be honest, to start with, I thought Anne had already named all the famous examples of this. Gore Vidal as Edgar Box, Cecil Day-Lewis as Nicholas Blake, and John Banville as Benjamin Black. But we did find a couple more writers to add to that list. W. Bolingbroke Johnson, whose library-based mystery The Widening Stain I've already mentioned, was actually the pseudonym of Morris Bishop, a notable American historian, essayist and translator, who wrote popular biographies of figures like Petrarch and Blaise Pascal under his own name. And then there's also the English novelist and screenwriter James Hilton, who is best known for Goodbye Mr Chips, but who in 1931 wrote a mystery under the Glenn Trevor pen name titled Murder at School. Both Bishop and Hilton only wrote one mystery each though, sadly, so you're unlikely to find a whole shelf of them at a second-hand bookshop. After the break, a treasure hunt, a double act and a pineapple. In History's Secret Heroes, Helena Bonham Carter shines a light on extraordinary stories from World War II. This is a series that tells the tales from the Second World War that are unjustly less well-known than the oft-repeated histories of that time. Personally, I tend to default to the position that military history, or the history of wars as it is usually told, is just not for me. But diving into this series has shown me that I can be wrong about that, and that maybe I just haven't been experiencing the right sort of history. The brand new second series of History's Secret Heroes is out now, and it's absolutely full of brilliant episodes that had me gripped from start to finish. In it, we learn how a single woman, Christine Granville, skied into occupied Poland and gathered essential intelligence for the Allies, which changed the course of the war. We also look at how Raymond Gurem used his circus skills to break in and out of a Nazi internment camp to sneak in food and supplies for his family and how a young Filipino woman named Josefina Guerrero took advantage of her health condition to join the resistance and become one of the most consequential spies of World War II. I'm especially drawn to stories about code-breaking, as I love puzzles, and to me it often feels like the real-life counterpart to solving a mystery. I loved the episode called The Unbreakable Navajo Code, about a group of Native American soldiers who devised a code for the Allies' use, and I also really enjoyed the one about Emily Anderson, 
an Irish cryptanalyst who worked both at Bletchley Park in the UK and then in Cairo to decrypt vital intelligence. Helena Bonham Carter voices all of these episodes in a way that makes you feel like they're just being whispered directly into your ear by someone who really knows how to tell a dramatic tale to full effect. There are experts interviewed, but also friends, family members and witnesses, so each story feels personal and intimate, as well as historically significant. Episodes will be released on Mondays, wherever you get your podcasts. But if you're in the UK, you can listen to the full series now, first on BBC Sounds. Let's see who's on the line now. Hi, Caroline. My name is Katrina, and I'm a Danish children's author and librarian. I have been a diehard Agatha Christie fan for many years. I love the puzzle aspect of golden age detective fiction and has even had my own company making treasure hunts. I was wondering if you have a recommendation for a book with a lot of clever clues and riddles. I have already read all of Agatha Christie's back catalogue, so ideally it would be of another author. I love your show so much, it gives me a great deal of joy in my everyday life. Thank you. Treasure hunts are such a classic golden age style activity. I believe they surged in popularity after the First World War at the same time as detective novels did. I know Katrine said she had already read all of Agatha Christie, but for anyone else who hasn't and who shares her interest in treasure hunt mysteries, I did just want to mention the Christie short story Manx Gold, which is not only about a treasure hunt, but is actually one itself. It was commissioned by the Isle of Man Tourist Board to accompany a live event where readers could find clues in the text that led to actual locations on the island where some prizes had been buried. Other than that, I think a good read for this theme would be ECR Lorac's These Names Make Clues from 1937, which has recently been republished. Its plot revolves entirely around a treasure hunt at a country house party, with Lorac's regular detective Robert MacDonald one of the guests taking part. It also involves fake names, clues, ciphers and convoluted alibis, so it should scratch that puzzle itch nicely. Similarly, the Ellery Queen novel The Chinese Orange Mystery from 1934 might also do the trick. In this one, an unidentified man is found killed in a locked room with a bowl of tangerines, and all of the furniture and his clothes having been turned backwards, even though the door has been under observation the whole time. And then as a little bonus suggestion, as Katrine is a children's author herself, Leandra has recommended The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin, an American young adult mystery from 1978, which involves a complicated and competitive puzzle set in a will. I've never actually read this myself, but several past guests from the US, including YA mystery author Maureen Johnson, have insisted that I must do so immediately, as it is an extremely she-done-it-worthy book, they say. Next, we've got a request that came in text form from Elizabeth, who would like a golden age mystery set in the world of theatre, the seedier the better. The obvious suggestion here is, of course, the work of Naya Marsh, who, as a periodic theatre director herself, wrote quite a lot of novels that have a theatrical connection. Highlights include Enter a Murderer from 1934, in which an actor is killed live on a West End stage by what was supposed to be a prop gun, and Opening Night from 1951, with its backstage whodunit. Although Vintage Murder, Overture to Death, Final Curtain and Death at the Dolphin also have elements of the stage to them. But there are also great non-marsh options. Anne Haynes' The Bungalow Mystery from 1923 is about a village amateur dramatic society. Marjorie Allingham's Dances in Mourning from 1937 is set behind the scenes of a musical comedy production in London. 
and Alan Melville, who was a playwright himself, drew on his own theatrical experience to write 1934's Quick Curtain. Oh, here's our next caller. This is Kerry from New Zealand. Uh, In keeping with that location, my question is whether you know of any mysteries that are set at Christmas in summer in the Southern Hemisphere. Thank you. This one was a real puzzler, and we really tried our best. There is no shortage of Golden Age mysteries from the Southern Hemisphere, of course, with writers like Niall Marsh, Arthur Upfield, Fergus Hume, Mary Fortune, J.M. Walsh and others, ensuring that this region had a thriving crime-writing tradition in the early to mid-20th century. However, we really struggled to find any that specifically depict a summertime Christmas, I'm sorry to say. The one title that emerged from the research process was 1945's Black Express by Conneth Little, the joint pen name of sisters Constance and Gwyneth Little, and also sometimes published under the title Great Black Canber. This amnesia-based story is set at Christmas in Australia, so there is definitely a summertime festive period included, even if it's not completely the main focus of the book. Hi Caroline! What I would like is a sleuth couple, like Tommy and Tuppence from Agatha Christie, or Harriet and Peter from Dorothy Sayers, a couple that complement each other, and they work together to solve mysteries. It would be so much fun to find another one. I think I've got a good suggestion for this one, which is the Mr. and Mrs. North series. These books were written by an American married couple, Frances and Richard Lockridge, and the first novel, The North's Meet Murder, appeared in 1940. In the first one, the Norths share the mystery-solving duties with the police, but as the series goes on, they do more of the sleuthing, with Mrs North often taking the lead. They were a very popular duo in their day, and there was a movie, a Broadway play, and multiple radio series made featuring them. The Lockridges also kept the series going for a couple of decades, so if you like them, you'll find that there are 26 novels to enjoy. Now we're going to do a few more quickfire recommendations. Rowena would like a mystery featuring a pineapple. I would suggest Dashiell Hammett's The Dane Curse from 1921, although the pineapple that its plot centres around is actually a hand grenade, nicknamed a pineapple in the slang of the First World War. Another club member would like a mystery featuring an elephant and one featuring a penguin. For the former, you can't do better than Elspeth Huxley's Murder on Safari from 1938, in which an elephant plays a major role in the climax of the plot. And for the latter... I would highly recommend 1931's The Penguin Pool Murder by Stuart Palmer, in which a murder is witnessed at the titular location at the New York Aquarium. The 1932 film adaptation of this book is also great fun. Finally, she done it production assistant Leandra snuck her own request onto the end of the list. She would like a golden age mystery with a time-sensitive plot, with the events in the novel ideally taking place over 24 hours, or 48 maximum and I have just the thing for this, Twice Round the Clock by Billy Houston from 1935, which is a country house mystery with a strict 24-hour structure. The murder takes place right in the middle of the timetable, meaning that the reader gets to see the suspects in the lead-up to the crime and then in the aftermath. And that's it from the Murder Mystery Hotline for now. 
I hope the callers and all those who were listening have found something new and intriguing to read, or at least can now marvel at the seemingly infinite variety of the Golden Age detective novel. Whether you want diplomats or penguins or pineapples or riddles, there really is something for everyone. This episode of She Done It was written and hosted by me, Caroline Crampton. You can find links to all the books mentioned and other information about this episode at shedoneitshow.com slash themurdermysteryhotline. I publish transcripts of every episode, including this one. Find them all at shedoneitshow.com slash transcripts. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to have me answer your call to the Murder Mystery Hotline in the future, the best way to do that is to join the She Done It book club. This is the paid membership scheme that runs alongside the podcast and which will get you extra episodes as well as the satisfaction of knowing you've helped the show stay on the air. Find out more and sign up at shedoneitbookclub.com slash join. And if you have a recommendation to make in response to any of the prompts you've heard today, get in touch via email or on social media. The details are on shedoneitshow.com. She Done It is edited by Ewan McAleese. Production assistance from Leandra Griffith. Member support for the She Done It book club from Connor McLaughlin. Thanks for listening.